I'm Emma Judd and welcome to The Leaguecast, a podcast from the League Against Cruel Sports. Each episode, I'll be joined by friends and fellow campaigners to talk about all things animal. Today, I'm joined by Paul Tilsley, who manages our reserves in the southwest of England, bordering on the Exmoor National Park, and who is probably the longest serving employee of the league for his sins. He has first-hand experience of monitoring uh, stag and fox hunts, both due to his current role as uh, managing the sanctuaries and also as former head of investigations for the league. Hello, Paul. Hello. So, I mean, you've got quite the breadth of experience with the league and also with hunting. So um, how did it all start for you? Um, Well, I've been watching hunts for... Uh, well, 40 years, probably, thereabouts, in various ways, um, watching them uh, where I used to live in the Midlands and then in the Lake District where I lived, and then um, coming down to the West Country. I started coming down here in 1992. That's when I first encountered the stag hunts. And uh, then I moved down here in the beginning of 2000, and I've been um, here ever since. So what what drew you to animal welfare? Um because I'm opposed to cruelty, I suppose. So that's that's the basis of it. And um there's very little uh that's more visibly cruel than seeing a hunt um chasing a wild animal, whichever wild animal that might be. So I mean you must have seen some horrific things in your time. Um are you able to sort of describe an incident for those listening who may not have have seen firsthand the cruelty. Yeah, unfortunately, because for a time I just went along with hunt supporters, so they they sort of accepted me as being one of them. So I got to see the sharp end of hunting, if you like. After all, the nice um, chocolate box bit at the meat and um, the social side of things, I got in to see terrier men digging out foxes and killing them or bolting them for the hounds to kill and um, being there at the end of stag hunts where they've put a stag to water or a hind to water and they've ended up killing it or even killing it on the run because they thought it was going to escape to somewhere where they couldn't go. Um, And hare hunting too, I've seen hares, absolutely petrified hares being chased by beagles and um, unfortunately sometimes killed. so, yeah, so I've seen a lot of hunting over my time and um, in many ways I wish I hadn't, but once I've seen it, I couldn't, um, you know, stop really. It's, it's not just the cruelty to the wildlife that hunting has a, an impact on, is it? I mean, you yourself have, have had all kinds of abuse over the years. Yeah, that's right. I mean, going right back, actually, I mean, I, I lived in a sort of the edge of a town when I was growing up and that's when I first got involved with, with hunting and even then I was getting abuse from um, hunt supporters who lived nearby because I knew where I lived. Um, but moving down to Exmoor, it sort of takes on a, a another level really because if you're openly anti-hunting, you know that's going to affect your um, social life and, you know, just sometimes it comes to your doorstep, hunts hunt directly outside the, the reserve here and I live on the reserve. And when they do, you know you're going to get um, abuse, verbal or physical, um, from the hunt supporters or even the hunt staff, for that matter. 
are you able to share sort of the worst incident? Is there anything that particularly comes to mind or is it general abuse? Well, I mean, at the house here, we've had windows smashed in the past. Um, it's still, I mean, I've been here for say 23 years and still people, on supporters blow the horns when they drive past. I don't know what they're trying to achieve, but they still blow the horns. I mean, I can't hear them if I'm inside, but if I'm outside, I hear them. Um, but, um, I mean, the worst thing was when I was watching a hunt from National Trust land and the, um, a fox hunt and the fox hunt arrived on the Quantock Hills and the whipping beat me around the head with the handle of his whip and I had to go to hospital as a result. That was the uh, the worst incident that I suffered. And I mean, the the the, the reserve that, that you're based on, Baronstown, is right on the edge of Exmoor National Park. It features um, what is now known as Hales House in recognition of a, a huge legacy that was donated to us by Stan Hales. Um, but it was a previous hunting lodge, wasn't it? It was a previous house which has kennels, which was devoted to to hunting so is that kind of typical of the area that it's incredibly pro-hunt i mean can you go down and, and walk to your local co-op in uh, in safety i mean it's not that everybody in in the area supports hunting it's just the um you know the power and influence that the vocal minority that do support hunting and shooting for that matter um you know they have in the community yeah um, and so, yeah, I mean, I do get abused going down into town sometimes. People do, if I'm queuing in the co-op, might say something to me uh, abusive or shout it in the street when I'm just crossing the road. But um, And you shouldn't have to put up with that, obviously, but it's more trouble ducks back to me. And I, I tend to think, well, shows must be doing some good if, um, if they think we should, I'm <laughs> the focus of some abuse. So, um, yeah, I mean, but it, it shouldn't happen. And... Um, that's why the majority of people keep the heads down, even if they don't, um, um, you know, they don't support hunting. They'll keep the heads down because it's easier to do that. It's, it's human nature, really. You don't want to go out there and get abuse. And, and obviously, it's a it's a beautiful part of the world. I absolutely adore visiting it um, and try as often as I can. Um, it's last year we told the story of some tourists on Dartmoor national park who witnessed a fox hunt i'm sure visitors to exmoor um also see hunting um and might be surprised to see it um you know is it is it something that people will see often or is it every now and again uh well hunting goes on from when hunting starts again the um fox hunting and stag hunting will start again in august and um then you'll see it virtually every day they don't hunt sundays in this area because well traditionally that's when you're supposed to go to church and repent to your sins but um they hunt just about every other day and uh, between the three stag hunts um the couple of hunts that hunt roe deer the 10 or so hunts that hunt foxes the uh three hunts that hunt hare you know, they're out there. Sometimes there's multiple hunts out at the same time. And sometimes even around the reserves here, you might get one or two hunts at the same time. You might get the Quantox Stagans one side and the Devon and Somerset Stagans the other side. And we're sort of sandwiched in the middle. So um, it's it's difficult to avoid hunting on Exmoor between August through to the end of April. 
And I mean, Exmoor National Park is one of a f- only uh, a, han- a very small handful of national parks that license trail hunting on its land. What kind of impact does hunting have on ecology and the local land? Well, it's the disturbance that hunting causes to wildlife that's the problem, really. So, you know, the hunting, as I said, goes on from August through till April. So there's, you know, in terms of a stag hunt, there's a lot of people on horseback following the hunt. There's there's people on quad bikes, on motorbikes, there's people in four-wheel drive vehicles, and they're charging around the countryside, disturbing everything. If you're a grain nesting bird or if you're a, a small mammal, then you like to get your um, nest in sight completely wrecked by a big horse galloping through there or a pack of hanes or um, somebody on a quad bike racing over the top of your nest. So, um, you know, it's it's the overall disturbance that they cause that's the big problem for wildlife. And, um, you know, wildlife's under enough pressure as it is without these extra ones on top. Presumably there's also a risk of hounds defecating across land things that that dog walkers wouldn't be allowed to get away with for example um and if they're hunting every day that's that's got to be a risk to to health of humans and animals alike hasn't it i mean that that kind of impact is something that people might necessarily think about yeah i mean there's there's various um diseases that affect farm animals that are known to be spread by hounds i mean not least um tb of course because um there was a whole pack of hounds in the Midlands that was put down a few years ago because it had TB. But there's other ones as well, particularly ones that cause um, abortions in cattle that um, I know have been traced back to hounds in the past. And so, yeah, I mean, worms as well. You get signs in saying your um, domestic dog should be wormed before you take it out into the countryside. But half the time, the hounds themselves aren't wormed. And um, like you say, they're, they're leaving whatever it is they're leaving all over the countryside as they go. So the League has got a new campaign which um, launched a a couple of weeks ago to ask all the national parks in England, Wales um, to to ban trail hunting to um or to reaffirm if they don't license trail hunting on their land that actually hunting isn't welcomed. Is that something that's important do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the best kept secret, is it, that uh, trail hunting is just to cover for normal hunting. And um, to be honest, because there's so little policing around the Exmoor area, because it's such a rural area, a lot of the fox hunts don't even put up the pretense of um, laying a trail. They just go out there fox hunting as they've always done um, with a full pack of hounds, you know, and um, they get away with it because there's nobody um, watching them. Or if they are watching them, it's difficult to get the evidence to, to prosecute them. So, um, yeah, I mean, trail hunting is a bit of a joke in the rural community, really, because everybody knows what it is, and um, including those, obviously, that run the National Park and um, and the other big um, landowning bodies. Presumably, then, the the, the way to, to stop hunting um is to for for landowners for the national parks just to say no more we can't have hounds on our land we can't have horses on our land this activity isn't allowed on our on our land and if anybody sees that um it's got to be reported right well yeah that's right i mean the the sort of extra problem on exmoor is that there's a 
organization called the Badgerworthy Land Company that um, own a lot of hunting and shooting rights across Exmoor. So they they bought up or were given these rights to protect hunting. And to all intents and purposes, they are the Devon and Somerset Staghounds, and their reason for being is is to keep stag hunting going on Exmoor. And a lot of the land that the Exmoor National Park own, uh, also the, they don't own the, the sporting rights, so the Bagworthy Land Company will own the sporting rights. But even so, that doesn't exempt the National Park from all of the health and safety restrictions that everybody else has to go through. So there's a number of National Trust, uh, National, Trust National Park car parks that the, the hounds meet in. Um, there's one very close to here at Haddon Hill, and there's at least four different hunts meet in that car park. And when they do, you can't go in there as a normal person because there's all the, the vehicles there, there's the horses, there's the hounds, there's people, if it's a stagnant wandering around with uh, shotguns, um, you know, and there's lots of things an actual park could do to restrict these by using health and safety legislation, even if they, they haven't got the hunting rights to stop them from hunting. And I suppose ultimately um, the, the way to, to end it is for hunting laws to be to be tightened, to properly outlaw it in the first place. Well, yeah, I mean, it would obviously make sense, wouldn't it? If, um, if you couldn't go out there under any sort of pretense, then that would be it. It's pretty hard to hide lots of people on horseback I mean, red or green or whatever coloured coats with a pack of hounds, um, you know, particularly with all the entourage of, of supporters behind them, you just can't hide them away. It's not like um, one person going out on their own doing something um, who might be able to get away with it. It's, it's there in, in public view if only the authorities took some action against it. Is there is there any doubt in your mind that ending hunting is anything but a good thing? Um, no, no. I mean, I, obviously, that's what I got involved in the first place for to end hunting because of the cruelty involved. And, um, you know, people bring in all sorts of other spurious arguments about why hunting should continue because of it keeps the countryside together. But I think it's the most divisive thing there is in the countryside because, like I said before, it's, um, if you don't like hunting, then you're either ostracised or you're verbally attacked physically or or verbally attacked um, because of your views. And so that hardly brings the countryside together. Paul, just wanted to say thank you ever so much for joining us today and talking about your experiences of, of, of hunting across a couple of decades and more. Um, thank you ever so much for your insight. Okay, thank you. We would love for you to get in touch on our social channels with any questions that you have on today's episode. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok by searching for League Against Cruel Sports. Please also make sure you subscribe to the Leaguecast wherever you find your podcasts so you never miss a single episode. 